0: and gentlemen for the three of us in attendance and the dozens listening around the world let's get ready to podcast on the four corners podcast i'm shad here tonight with matt and brad how are you guys doing
1: i thought you were gonna screw that up a second time
0: (laughs) (laughs) no i held it together
2: i'm doing good this is uh i think our first official show of 2019 that wasn't recorded before 2019 so yes
1: i think this is the first time we've podcast together in a while it feels like it's been a long time
2: it's only i think been like well it might have been like three weeks actually
1: i think we've actually
2: no i think it was like two weeks but
1: i don't think we've gotten longer than a week though before
2: yeah it might have been actually three weeks because the holidays yeah it's been a it's been a tumultuous
0: holiday for some of us so
1: yeah So, we are
0: happy you are all here with us. We're looking forward. We've got some Seda right now going on, and there's a lot going on right now. Yeah. Isn't that right, guys? I just want a to
1: apologize if I sound a little weird. I am sitting in my chair in my room and not at my desk like normal because um, Gloomhaven has kind of taken over about half of my room.
2: <laughs> uh, I was I was actually at a dinner party on Saturday night, uh, with this other couple, my wife and I, and I don't know how we got discussing something. We I think we're test- discussing like a, another mutual uh, friend couple that we have. That my wife and I will sometimes get together and uh, we'll play like board games. And I'm not talking about like Monopoly. I mean, we'll play like there's tons of actually really interesting games out there that are varying levels of uh, complicated. Uh, I don't know if you've ever played like Pandemic or heard of that. Mm-hmm. Like. Every every month, every other month, we have like a game night, which as adults, it's super fun because we basically just sit around and like drink wine and eat pizza <laughs> and play games. Um, but in this brief discussion about board games, the, the other couple that we were having dinner with brought up, I guess, a, a family member of his or his brother in law. Somebody wants to, is like super excited to buy uh, Gloomhaven. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> that's going to obsess his life.
1: It's it's um... it's
2: basically like Dungeons and Dragons, the board game, kind yeah. of, right? Well,
1: it's so what it is is like um, well, it's 150 bucks pretty much, and the box weighs like 20 pounds, but it's what's a legacy style game. So like you have this big map, and like you put stickers on it what's your new locations, and as you do scenarios, like the game world changes along with it. And uh, there's not really dice rolls. Like your character has like. So many cards you take into the dungeon with you, and then you have to like make decisions based on like what you have. It's really interesting. It's really tough, though.
0: Kind of sounds like it. Hopefully, and it's you, not like King's Quest hard because that's just not fair.
1: Matt, if you like Pandemic, you should try Pandemic Legacy.
2: Uh, my this, uh, this couple that I mentioned that we do games with, uh, they have that version. Uh, we have not played that yet. And uh, the guy I play it with, he actually doesn't. He actually doesn't prefer Legacy. He actually likes just the classic version of Pandemic. Interesting. Although I, I like Pandemic, and we, I actually own that one. Uh, but I, I, about two years ago, I made the mistake of my wife and I made the mistake of playing this with my father-in-law, and my father-in-law like basically broke the game. <laughs> which is a game that you can break it cuz if you if you choose the right characters to play and you play in a very specific way on like the ver- like the basic rules you can literally win the game in like 15 minutes <laughs> like he found a way to do it and it, he actually took like all the fun out of the game to the point my wife and I are like we don't want to play anymore and he got like kind of salty about it but it's like the it's not just to win the game it's like to have fun playing the game is the challenge of it yeah. But he was just more concerned about like winning the game and like a sp- like a speed run <laughs> of the game. It's like <laughs> this is not fun anymore. We had we literally had to throw in like all the pandemic cards and make it as difficult as possible and we still won like every time. It just oh, wow. it just extended the time frame we had to beat it in. Instead of like winning at fifteen minutes, it was more like forty five. But it kind of ruined the fun for me, so I've taken a break on that one. Uh, I understand.
1: You should try um, um smash up.
0: I haven't heard of that one.
1: That one's fun.
0: Yeah, when Brad sent me the picture of his, uh, um, of his gloomhaven setup, I looked at it and I was like, "God, I thought Arkham Horror was a big thing, but this is, gee, oh."
1: I looked at someone's like online, like how they store all their stuff for all the tokens and everything. I had to buy four container, like rubbermaid containers, with like dividers and stuff to store all of the monster tokens and like pieces of land and everything.
0: That's pretty wild. All right. So um, now we've gotten the other side of the board game and stuff. Uh, we have our social media presence. We'd love to hear from you guys on there. Let's go ahead and run through that. We do have Facebook. Isn't that right, Brad?
1: Yep. That is four corners podcast. That is the number four corners podcast was one word podcast. Give us a like, leave us a comment, send us a message. We'll be more than happy to chat you up.
0: Yep. We'd love to hear from you. And if you don't if you don't like to take that long, or maybe you just like to put your thoughts out there real quick and you don't want that many uh you don't want that many characters going into it yeah, and you like the little blue bird, well that's an option too, isn't it?
2: That's true. We are also on Twitter. We are at Podcast Four Corners. That's capital P. That's the number four in corners. That's Podcast Four Corners. And uh, recently, Shad, within the last like week or two, we had one of our tweets liked by Jeff Cobb. Really? R-H's Jeff Cobb? Yes. What uh, What was it that he liked so much? I think it was uh, something uh, that he posted about him wrestling like an alligator, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I made a comment. Uh, that he liked. It was a, some funny comment, but uh, I, I actually meant the comment semi-earnestly because I think Jeff Cobb versus an alligator would be something fascinating to watch, and I would actually put money on Jeff Cobb.
1: I oh, get wow. He Jeff... is a
2: very strong man.
1: <laughs> I want to get into Jeff Cobb a little later.
2: Okay. I am a fan.
1: I am a fan, too.
0: Alright. and um, Let's see. We're on Instagram. Since Instagram doesn't let you put spaces in, it's just... Uh, For the number four corners podcast, Um, I'm trying to upload more often as I can, but I do upload for every uh, I do upload for every new show on there. And we also look sometimes you don't want to put it out there for everyone else to see if your response is, hey, I think you guys are great. But, uh, you know, maybe I'm a little anxious and I don't want to put it out there as a for everyone to see. You can email us, too.
1: Yep, and that is pitpodcast twenty-five at gmail.com. I will warn you if you email us, I might not see it for a couple weeks. So don't be offended if you randomly get like a response back in like three weeks.
0: All right. And then um, we've got a couple of shout outs we need to make. The first one is for that wrestling fan in your life that you just don't know what to get for him, or perhaps it's a wrestler. And you don't know what to get for them, go to Collar and Elbow. Collar and Elbow has is wrestling gear for wrestlers and wrestling fans. Support your local indie wrestler. Collar we're an affiliate with Collar and Elbow. The uh, if you go and make an order and use the f- um, discount code Four Corners Podcast. That's the number Four Corners Podcast, no spaces. You get ten percent off on your order. I sent some shirts to the guys over Christmas and. Um, I've I've heard, good things. They are very soft and comfortable.
1: Yes, they are. I uh, wore mine for like four days straight. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Well, hope it we got washed. <laughs> hope it got washed for that fifth. <laughs> it did. Wearing, um, you know, Shad, it's uh, it's getting to be the winter months, and I yeah. understand that Collar and Elbow has their coveted flannels back in stock.
0: They do have their flannels back in stock. Perfect
2: for those cold weather months. It's true.
0: It's that is rested, their support. Chilly outside. Support your local indie wrestler uh, flannel. And, um, you know, hey, it's a great choice. They've got hoodies, um, they've got all kinds of stuff. And I can't recommend them enough. I've met the guys before, they're quality folks. Um, hey, like I said, use our discount code, and, <clears throat> you know, it, you'll get some quality stuff out of it. And there's one other thing. And I it's a new year which means that I have to I have to emphasize this properly. I have to make sure that all of our listeners understand just what I have to resort to in order to get this to be understood as how important it is. What um what kind of what kind of how I, uh, you know, if I had to walk from here to Puerto Rico to make this point across about why the out's so important, uh, I would.
2: And the question is, who is that to? That would be to Epico Cologne. Uh, <laughs> my New Year's resolution is to watch more Epico Cologne matches, and I hope that the WWE will get on board with that by giving me more. Absolutely, they can feed me more <laughs> <Epico> Cologne matches. <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it. All right. So there's our shout-outs out of the way. Um, there's a lot going on right now. Like we said, we had some intense board game talk. Um, also, um, Brad was kind enough to send around uh, some copies of the, uh, let's see, Legends of Wrestling dice game from Phil Singer Games. And I kind of went berserk on it for a few weeks before I myself in. Not buying more, but just. Just playing with the set that I had. Uh, it's a lot of fun. You know what? They're not they're not sponsoring us or anything. It's just a darn good game. So we'll throw that out there too. Okay, but state of right now. Um, right now it is as of this recording, January eighth, twenty nineteen. A day that will live in for me. I don't know if it's infamy or just regular for me at this point, but it'll live. Because there's a lot of stuff that's happening right now. Uh, one of the big things that just happened is we just had Wrestle Kingdom 13. Is that correct? Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. So since you guys have gotten to watch it, and I was trying to work my way around to it, um, why don't you guys kind of give us a give us a uh, uh, you know hit some highlights about uh, what what you really enjoyed on that show? Brad, you want to start first, or?
1: yeah um it is really hard to say because let's just get like right off the bat this show i'm gonna I'm gonna start off with a negative in that this show wasn't as good as it could have been, but it was still a really great show
2: yeah for those who didn't get a chance to see the show, I implore you to try and and watch it um sign up for. I, I wouldn't make a plug, I guess, but because we're not necessarily affiliated. But I would actually try to sign up for uh, New Japan World if you could and watch the show, because uh, it's uh, it was pretty phenomenal. Like it's already—I know it's January, but this show is going to be hard to beat uh, going forward.
1: It, it definitely is because uh, let's let's focus in on the two main events to start with, and then we can kind mm-hmm. of branch out a little bit. But so Jericho versus Naito, I. I thought this was a really great match. Like, they, they were brawling pretty hard before the bell even rang. Um, there was a pretty nasty DDT spot on the announce table.
2: Yeah, this was a. So, for those who are just familiar with, like, I guess WWE, uh, like hardcore matches or no disqualification matches, uh, this was done a little differently. It wasn't as much uh, gimmicks or schmas going on. Uh, and the premise of it, it was a no DQ match for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship, which Jericho uh, had. Uh, he's faced Naito before. They're, they really built this up really well, um, Brad, about just kind of laying out the animosity that they had for each other. Yeah. Uh, and it started off a little bit of a brawl. Um, they did eventually go to the outside and. The way they have... It, it's not like the WWE where they have the announce tables like right next to the ring. Um, it's kind of just outside the ring. There's like a guardrail that's in between them. Uh, and the tables aren't as big as the WWE, but they're, they're kind of like the, like the old folding tables. Yeah. But yeah, Jericho spiked Naito with a DDT. And I don't know what the hell Naito was thinking <laughs> with that bump. But for though. For those who haven't seen it visually, he visually he spiked him, and I swear to God, Naito was literally like completely vertical for like a second or two, and so then dropped.
1: They did a similar spot in their first match, but I can't for the life of me remember it. I don't remember if this was like a technical receipt of something Naito did to him on the table the first time, or if Jericho did it.
2: I don't remember. But they they but redid
1: was, they redid mm-hmm. one of my favorite spots from the first match, which is. Jericho has him down and takes the cameraman's camera and he's, like, filming Naito and flicking the camera off, mm-hmm. which is just brilliant. But what Yeah, I like... it was a... Oh, Go ahead.
2: Sorry.
1: What I liked to here, too, though, is it wasn't about using, like, plunder and trying to inflict pain as much as it turned into just them trying to humiliate each other almost.
2: Yeah, they really actually sold the story of the match being just how much they did not like each other. Yeah, and that they just wanted to, like you said, to kind of just embarrass each other, to like humiliate the other person. Uh, it start. I thought that actually, it was compelling because Jericho, Jericho, this iteration of Jericho, it's not my favorite version of Jericho, but it's a really fascinating one. He's basically doing a weird take on the whole like Bruiser Brody i don't know like Abdullah the butcher just like crazy brawler who goes out there and just does all sorts of crazy shit. uh which is kind of funny because jericho's always been kind of like a smaller guy
1: yeah um
2: he's not he's not like the big imposing type like bruiser brody but he it, it's it's believable because he's crazy and he goes out there and he like starts using a kendo stick all of a sudden or starts throwing chairs um and he just he just seems psychotic and i like the dichotomy they were trying to pull off at points in the match where naito was just trying to to wrestle actually have a wrestling match and jericho just kept going back to the brawling and occasionally using uh occasionally using like foreign objects uh it, it wasn't overkill which is why i think they worked a lot
1: i think it's it, it's interesting mm-hmm. that jericho went this route because where I think his later WWE stuff was really failing is he can't wrestle like he used to. So no,
2: he's clearly older. Um, all the touring for his band, I think he's, uh, think he's enjoying the lifestyle of a rock yeah. star. Uh, he definitely has some of that like alcohol bloat or whatever going on. He's so... a little bit, uh, he's a little bit wider around the midsection than he used to be. Yeah can't exactly do as many, many of the high-flying moves uh, as he used to be able to. I mean, the guy's like 47, I think. So yeah, he's going to slow down. But,
1: but that, that's where his WWE stuff really failed. But you get to New Japan, and he doesn't have to do that stuff anymore because he's just this crazy asshole now. Yeah. So he gets to cover his limitations really smartly. <clears throat> the other thing I thought was a really great spot and was really understated is like when Jericho's down... And Naito just kind of stands on his face, yeah. Like that's the kind of like way this match went. And where I thought it really got great is when Jericho had him in the walls, and um, Naito escaped with the kendo stick. And then they that was
2: that that was a great spot. And then everything from that point on, which was about another five minutes of the match, was just like balls out crazy.
1: And then they did a nice callback where like Jericho pushed the ref and low blowed him because that's kind of how he won the belt. Mm-hmm. And then my favorite part, and this is why another thing that really um, really is what is refreshing when you watch New Japan is how much nicer it's shot than the WWE. Like
2: the camera angles. Yeah, or? the camera yeah.
1: angles, they don't do the reaction shots, but like when Naito is going for the win and he does like the eyeball thing and they catch him like doing it down on like the icy title belt.
2: Yeah, was, their production crew got that perfectly.
1: Yeah, like, the WWE wouldn't do that. Like, they, they'd they fuck that up somehow, but that was great. Wait, wait,
2: wait. Are you saying that
0: not having some Bucky Beaver SOB in charge of your your uh, cinematography is a good thing?
2: That, 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 that's, that's really hurtful. <laughs> I've made fun of. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so shed,
1: Sorry. Shed I, I you, you know what's funny?
2: You, you know what's actually really, like, ironic that you, you bring up Kevin Dunn? Uh, is I... I was randomly listening to Jim Cornette, uh, like a Jim, part of a Jim Cornette shoot interview earlier today, where he was just going off on his hatred of Kevin Dunn. It's you know, it's funny
0: for as much as um, people want to get him wound up to yell about uh, some like folks. So yeah, it yeah. Turn, his his. Um, I feel like that his his criticism of Kevin Dunn is even more evergreen and relevant. So oh. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. Anyway, oh, I'll, I'll back off now.
1: So, so for those that didn't watch this, so Naito pretty much does his like signature like eye thing, and it 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 zooms down on the belt that he's looking at. He picks it up, and he has this looks look of inspiration. Then he just blasts Jericho in the face with it, hits his finisher, and wins the match.
2: Yeah, it was a it was a good it was a very good match. It was a uh, the time stamp says like twenty two minutes, thirty five seconds. Um, it did it not did not, f- no. did not feel long. I-, I could say that actually about all the matches on this show. We'll get into that a li- in a little bit. Uh, none of the matches seemed however their length. it did they- the flow was amazing.
1: Yeah, but
2: this match was almost twenty three minutes long. It at no point did it feel uh, long. It didn't drag. It was a pretty good brawl all the way through. The only thing, that i actually and this is like my old school like love of uh especially love of like southern wrestling creeping in the only thing i think that could have made this more interesting is that there was a little bit of blood i know they don't really they don't really do that in new japan this isn't like uh fmw back in the day
1: well they uh kenny bladed for his match with jericho last year but the blade job wasn't very good yeah and hey there there was a little blood in the main event
2: there was a little bit i think it was uh, unintentional but yeah, he it, busted it
1: was... his nose pretty yeah. good yeah i wouldn't he busted uh, his nose on do you remember i feel like it, i remembered in reference to the match but
2: it i don't i don't think it was like a v trigger it could have been one of like the reverse rana spots or maybe it actually also could have been the dragon suplex off the top it, yeah. there was probably like there's probably five or six spots and he have might
1: have taken an errant knee to the face too cuz some of those are a little snug <clears throat> yeah so, let's get into that since it's next. So, this match was like 40 minutes and I swear it, to god it was it, 20. It,
2: it was 40 minutes long and again, I don't it's amazing that you have a 40-minute match and at no point did it seem like a drug.
1: No, like and, it
2: it flowed perfectly.
1: And you know what struck me about this match was the simplicity of it. Like they didn't do too much. They didn't try and throw too many spots in. Like it was a well-paced.
2: Yeah. It was, they built up the spots, and then they performed the spots, and the spots had meaning, and then they kept going, and they would be setting up the next thing. It it, it was beautiful. The, the camera work, again, on this was, like, perfect. It got, it really captured it. So the story of the match beforehand was very simple, but I loved it. It was, Kenny Omega is, like, the brash, arrogant I'm like the future of the company. I'm the future of wrestling. That's his attitude. Whereas you have Tanahashi who I, I think is like what, forty one yeah. or so. He's older, but he's the ace of New Japan. Like he's basically for those who don't know who aren't as familiar with Japanese wrestling or New Japan, he's sort of he's he's sort of a he might be like an analogue to like John Cena, only in the sense that John Cena is has been like the top star. In the wwe for the last like 15 years uh and that's kind of tanahashi where he's he's like arguably one of the biggest or the biggest star although okada has clearly like eclipsed that now Yeah,
1: and but Tanahashi's um, and, also a big reason for them like turning it around in the
2: oh absolutely like tanahashi is a phenomenal yeah. worker in wildly popular has had at least some amount of popular culture like appeal like what, basically what i mean is like he's had some popularity outside of just IWGP wrestling yeah. in Japan, uh, which is again, kind of like Cena. like Cena is, he's not as big as, you know, someone like the rock or he doesn't have like the cultural cachet as like a Hulk Hogan, but he's had some popularity. It's kind of like that. Like I, it's not a perfect analogy because their styles are very different. I think Tanahashi is a much better worker. And
1: Tanahashi had clearly been down the card for a couple years. Like he'd been in the six man division for a while and he'd been doing some kind of icy title stuff so this this was kind of i think getting sold a little more as like him getting that like last
2: yeah and to me it felt like it it feels like this is like his last really big run yeah i mean he's he has clearly cemented himself as a legend so he's gonna he's gonna move into like the ranks of people like chono or muta or even older guys like ricky choshu people like that who are still going to be probably around even like 10 years from now. Uh, they probably won't be wrestling as much, but he'll still <laughs> be like a big deal. Uh, but yeah, this feels like it's kind of like his last big run. Um, but he's still putting on great matches. Like this was a phenomenal match. And of course, he's in there with Omega, who uh, I'm a kind of like a mark for Kenny Omega. It's I don't want to be like that guy, but it, he there really is strong argument you can make that kenny is like if if not the best worker in the business today then he's certainly in like the top five like his the stuff he would do here was just phenomenal like his selling was great uh i liked how part of the story of the match uh was tanahashi kept going back to the leg and kenny was selling the leg uh, the leg the only i guess detraction I get was the leg didn't entirely like play into the finish it did it, it did kind of at points because he there were some spots I think he missed because he was selling the leg but I don't know it was phenomenal uh, the, the near falls at the end trading back and forth were amazing
1: I liked when Omega uh, went for did Tanahashi's like neck breaker drop into this frog splash
2: the sling blade into the high flow yeah high fly flow I always like mess up the name for that
1: yeah, I can never get it right either.
2: Yeah, they like they traded, they kind of traded uh, their spots a little bit. I think that was, the, and that actually sold kind of the the story of the match really well too, because it showed Kenny just being like a dick, where he's like, "All right, I'm gonna like do, use your own finishing moves against you to try and win," and, and it didn't work.
1: And I liked, um, I also liked how Kenny kind of screwed himself midway through when Tanahashi just wrecked himself on the table. And Omega probably they, could have taken the count out and he put, he threw him back in.
2: I actually thought that spot was very fascinating. So for those who haven't seen the match, they, they did this big buildup where Kenny like set up a table on the outside and he, he kind of played around like he was going to try and put Tanahashi through the table. It didn't work out that way. And then eventually like a few minutes later, Tanahashi, they're outside the ring again. Tanahashi puts Kenny on the table Goes for uh, the frog splash onto Kenny outside on the table. Kenny moves. Tana just ate it on that table, like the table so hard. It's look for people who are again used to like WWE table spots. This was not like that. This first off, it's a different type of table. It's like thinner. It looks actually thicker. Um, and and he like did a frog splash. He hit it dead on, and the it the table like just crumpled
1: it like, with him there was like he, particles of it flying in the air like he, he yeah. it so hard
2: hey, look tanahashi i'm sure was just doing an amazing sell job but he sold it like i've broken a rib and in the context of the match it was very believable that that's what he just did uh and then the crazy thing is like that they had that spot and they went another 20 minutes
1: well, what I thought was great too is though when Omega ducked it, like you see Tanahashi just destroyed it. Omega is like in the like up against the ring, and he's like, "Holy shit, I can't believe like he almost did that to me."
2: Yeah, there was another great spot that happened. I can't remember if it was before or after, but Tanahashi went for the frog splash, and Kenny got the knees up. Oh, the, that one was great. just just at the like the last possible second, and the knees just. Drove into Tanahashi's yeah. stomach. It was phenomenal spot. Uh, I actually forgot uh, just to add a second ago. What you were saying is that after that table spot, there Tanahashi was clearly hurt on the outside. Uh, there was the the ring count going on, and Omega could have just got back in the ring and got the count off victory. What he did at that point was he actually threw Tanahashi back in the ring, and the storyline which they kind of like enforce. Like Kenny kind of enforced that by like making kind of like a face uh was basically to show like that's not how he wanted to win because the simplistic story that they told again was that kenny had to prove that he was the future of the company and the future of wrestling whereas tanahashi is the old guard he's like the ace of the company that that omega was shit talking ahead of the match saying like you know he's he's done like he shouldn't even be in this match like i'm the future so he wanted to prove i'm not going to do a count out that's not going to prove that i'm the best I have to get him back in the ring, pin him in the ring to show everyone here that I'm the future. It's so simplistic, but it was done like beautifully.
1: And the whole time the crowd is not shutting up the whole time.
2: The crowd was super hot in the entire match. 40 minutes. They uh, were hot.
1: It was getting louder. Like it was suddenly getting louder till you get to the end. Like when Tanahashi finally gets the sling blade, the crowd is just losing their minds
2: yeah and there was points where it looked like uh Omega was gonna hit the one-winged angel and finish the match and the crowd started going crazy too because they thought the finish was coming
1: the one where, the one I thought was insane though is where he well I mean he went for the the which one is the one off the shoulders that the V trigger I get his name.
2: where he does like the he picks the guy up on his shoulders and then like yeah that's that's the one winged angel
1: okay so you guys which tri- they've,
2: they've actually built up very well that that basically it's it's a super strong finisher because no one has kicked out of it yeah it's not like it's not like a v-trigger where he can pull out like 10 of them in a match and guys can still kick out like people don't kick out of the the one-winged angel so
1: he went for this a couple times and tanahashi kind of kept slipping out but there was one that was really a holy shit moment where he has him and tanahashi turns it into like a reverse like like, and it was just out of nowhere
2: yeah it, it was phenomenal. There was another great spot where Omega goes frustrated because he wasn't able to put Tanahashi away, and he th- he does the triple power bomb spot.
1: Oh yeah, that was good too.
2: And th- but th- Shad, this this is so impressive. Like Omega is a, a compared to an average human being. Omega is not a small guy. He's like six foot. He's about two thirty. Like a, okay, to, to an average human being. A two hundred and thirty pound guy who obviously is like muscular, like that's kind of a big dude in the world of professional wrestling. That's not necessarily big. You're kind of almost no. like a a cruiserweight. We're not, right. not a cruiserweight, like a lightweight. Uh Tanahashi is probably like the same size, but he
1: five, I'd say.
2: He looks bigger. He's much got a much broader chest. Yeah. Anyway, Omega. Does two power bombs. And after each power bomb, he tries for a pin, uh, Tanahashi kicks out. The third power bomb, he he picks him up, but Tanahashi wasn't in like a good position to uh-huh. like assist with it. Omega deadlifts him. Just Ooh. deadlifts him and then puts him up into the power bomb spot. And this is after like thirty minutes, thirty five minutes of match where they're clearly like exhausted. Right. And that was such an impressive sight. It's like, God damn how strong is Kenny Omega that after like 30, 35 minutes of this match, which was a sprint, like they went all out. And they weren't pulling out like a bunch of rest holds.
1: You know you know what I liked about those spots too is Tanahashi's kickouts were like really dirty, like seat of your pants. Like I just barely got my shoulder off of the mat.
2: Yeah. Or like I couple, just kind of
1: like pushed Kenny aside because like I'm so spent.
2: Yeah which really sold that they were just, you know, they were like, Tanahashi was just running on fumes.
1: But man, like when he finally, when he finally hit it and got the pen, like Mm -hmm. it was great.
2: Yeah. They really did a fantastic job of building up the emotion of the match. It was just uh, a, go ahead.
1: And, um, another thing, like, and again, why it's, it's refreshing to watch this verse. Like, the WWE and where they screw things up is there's a point where they're both down and they just kind of cut away and do like a close up on the IWGP title belt. Mm. And it just really like, it really cements like, I think part of what was great about this match is there was just a gravity to like everything.
2: Yeah. They made everything work. And I was actually talking to Brad before the show about this match and it I hate to compare it to the WWE. It's almost unfair. And I don't want to I'm not look, on this podcast like we can be we've been critical of the WWE. We don't we don't try to be overly critical. It's just we're kind of frustrated with the product at, at the moment because I think they do a lot of things they wrong get, that they could easily not do. Yeah. And that cuz that's frustrating. If you're just like if you're just falling apart, then that's one thing. Maybe you, you can't fix, you can't right the ship per se, but if they just do things lazily, I feel, which that I get very frustrated with because it's like you're not you're not really trying. Whereas yeah. it, when you watch a show like this, like moves matter. Like even if they do the same finisher or go for the same finisher like ten times in the match, every time they did it in this match, it it mattered. Whereas you watch like a Roman Reigns match, and it's like he does like twenty Superman punches, and you don't care because it's like oh well, there'll be a kick out, and then he'll hit another move
0: the thing that yeah and i'm going to i'm going to join in with you guys the the thing that frustrates me um so much and i know i know people have heard me say it before if they've listened is the i talk about the the frustration on all the potential that could have happened right well it's because i'm you know i'm i'm seeing this and i can see all this cool stuff that could happen and they just don't like they just they just roll over and let it go and they're like ah whatever. And I don't know if it's because you know Vince doesn't let them or if they've gotten to this point where they're complacent by saying, you know, we're we're the only game in town now and the we're going to have the um you know, we're just going to do it however we feel like it cuz you know, hell with it, right? But seeing certain gimmicks fall apart because they don't put the effort in and seeing i'm sorry about that um seeing like certain certain storylines just kind of wither and die because they don't put the effort into making it good or they try and rush it that's the thing that frustrates me and i've been seeing that so much lately and from what you guys are talking about it's there's so much that they don't try and overbook what's happening in the match there's a very simple story to be told but can be told with so much nuance am I on the right uh, on the right track?
1: yeah because New Japan is ultimately a fairly conservatively booked company like all Japanese companies are so if mm-hmm. you watch the shows they're just going from point A to point B in a fairly straightforward basic manner mm-hmm and I mean the matches usually deliver but they usually get you there in a good way like if you take like Naito versus Jericho over the course of the year that their story happened they only interacted a handful of times
2: it's it is conservative it's it to me it's it's almost like everything is everything old is new again to me it's very much like if you could recall back in your youth when they didn't have weekly TV. Um, they had to build to, you know, like there was four pay-per-views in a year.
1: Yeah.
2: And they had to build to things. So it was like the whole less is more approach. It's like maybe uh, maybe on uh, Saturday, what, what was the old show? Like Like the Saturday, Saturday Night's Main Night Event. Yeah. Uh, maybe you'd have like a, a confrontation or a tag match or something. And then it'd be like another two, three months Build, try, still building up to the pay-per-view, but very limited interaction. It's almost like that, where it's like you're not having guys. It's not like the WWE now, where it's like Seth Rollins is feuding with uh, Dolph Ziggler. They're going to have 48 matches over the course of the next five weeks. It's like I, you get burnt out. You don't care. I don't know that the guys care anymore. They're at least trying to do something new, but if they're, having, they're it's it's too much. And I get that there is like flaws with that, but they they do, they book it, they've booked it very smartly in New Japan where, the matchups actually matter. Yeah. Like the, the storylines matter, and even finishing moves matter.
1: And so the other thing with New Japan is like you'll go into a show, and you'll have you'll have a good idea of who's gonna win. Like you'll probably pick the card mostly right every time. But what they're really good about is, like like take the Naito Jericho match. Like going in, you're 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 95% sure that that Naito is gonna win because that's where the story's going. But they're really good at that 10 or 15% of the time, someone that you don't expect to win is gonna win. But they do it enough, and they do it logically enough that they keep you doubting. Like Omega and Tanahashi. Like I was pretty sure Tanahashi was gonna win, but there was a good chance Omega was gonna win too.
0: Yeah. The um the thing I was going to say is that it's people fall into a rut sometimes in the idea that there are only you know there's only so many the 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 saying is that there's only what like seven stories to be told or something like that or there's only so many stories that you can have to tell, right? The problem is that folks get hung up on the idea that telling the story in a fresh way is not about just putting new people in or putting a new gimmick in. It's about the little touches that go into it. And so from what, you know, I'm I'm sitting here, I'm listening to you guys talk about it. It doesn't, you know, the idea that you have Omega, you saying you know, he's he's the the young Turk, basically. He's he's gonna say I'm I'm the next big thing, and that's all there is to it. And y'all are going to have to deal. Uh, and I'm going to prove it versus Tanahashi being, you know, the established old guard who's saying, "Oh no, I'm not done yet. You're you're not as good as you think you are." That's pretty basic. You know that story's been told in wrestling over and over and over again. What makes it special? The stuff that these guys do to make it good between the two of them.
1: But they they're also smarter about like we're gonna, we're gonna take a step back to earlier in the show to um, the Jay White Okada match. Mm. So in this match, Jay White beats Okada, and this is kind of like Okada getting his revenge because Ghetto turned on him er, like l- late last year and joined up with White. Now if this was the WWE, they would have jobbed Okada in such a way that he looks like a total bitch in the process. Whereas this match, Okada went for this for for his tombstone pile driver one too many times white slipped out and hit his finisher and got the win. Yeah. And, but it, Okada it, looked like he was great in the process though. It was just like, Oh, he kind of got him.
2: It actually, it, it really put over both. It's, it put over white very well. Um, clearly establishing him as like the new, uh, you know, Gaijin foreigner, uh star heel. Um, but it also protected Okada. Because you're right, it was more like Okada was just he went he overreached and White was able to exploit it, but he didn't look weak. Like he he was great in the match. That was actually I really enjoyed that match a lot. Um the crowd reactions to that match were fantastic. Like people the crowd was super hot for everything Okada did.
1: And he got to beat up ghetto a little bit. Like it worked pretty yeah. well.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the storyline they played into the storyline where he was trying to get some revenge on on Gato. He he was able to obtain some of that, um, but again, like White just was able to overcome it and kind of best him, kind of uh, ca- capitalize when he when he slipped up. But that was a great match. Um, you're right. Like they they did they they protected both guys. Like one, the guy who got over got over but the guy who lost like didn't lose anything by it uh it's just smart booking
1: yeah and um uh, i did the the ishimori kushida match wasn't anything special but this is another thing that i think kind of sets wrestle kingdom apart a little bit is i really love the back to the future entrance for kushida
2: i don't know enough about kushida um I didn't get the. I I thought it was funny that they were doing like a Back to the Future he's like to, skit he, before.
1: He, he like kind of comes out dressed like Marty McFly a lot.
2: He does. He he comes out in this like this little like uh, vest like he's got it like Hudson Trail Outfitters. Yeah. But I don't understand the purpose of that. Like I don't know. I I don't know like enough about him to know like the reference.
1: So so Shad, I'm gonna explain this to you since you're probably wondering what we're talking about. So, this little kid comes out with like a miniature <laughs> version of the Junior Title Belt. And um, this other guy comes out dressed like Doctor Emmett Brown and takes him back to the stage. And he yeah, pulls... the kid,
2: the kid, the kid is dressed like a young Marty McFly, yeah. like an infant version, a, a toddler-sized version, or an elementary school version of a uh, yeah <laughs> of, of Marty McFly from Back to the Future. And, and, and they have a little, uh-huh.
1: like a little child's version of the belt. So then he pulls out like the the remote control for the DeLorean, and all this like steam like pops up on the stage, and then it's like the real Kushida there.
0: Okay, um, I guess, okay, I guess this kind of feeds, I, I kind of had this impression that in Japanese wrestling, if you're a fan of something, you just kind of make it part of your entrance, like
1: no, this, uh... and
0: like Kyrie Sane, for some reason, she likes boats, so she comes out wearing a uh, an Admiral's uniform and stuff like that.
1: Part of can... part of the Wrestle Kingdom tradition is you're kind of expected to cosplay a little bit. for your Oh, okay.
2: There's a little so, bit of that. In fact, when uh, at the Kenny Omega match, he came out basically dressed uh, kind of as an homage to Sephiroth from Final Fantasy yeah. VII.
1: <laughs> like <laughs> he had
2: he had like these huge like shoulder pad uh, oh, things man. on. He had like one one wing on. Uh, I think it's like right arm. Yeah.
1: Didn't the gorillas do like Master Chief from um Halo?
2: They looked almost like Iron Man versions. I wasn't sure. They 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 kinda did, yeah. It's just something it is something special. It's I mean, think about it in terms if you've if you're more familiar with the WWE, you know, sometimes like for the main event, they'll come out to like these big elaborate uh presentations. So it's something like in line with that. But it's just to me that in
0: Japan it's it's meant to be a reference.
2: Perhaps kind I don't of know. like Quite
0: uh, hang on, who am I thinking of? Well, kind of like you know, at Mania, Rey Mysterio usually shows up with superhero style gear, um, or something like that. Am I am I anywhere close?
1: Yeah, like how the New Day did um, the Saiyans the one year.
0: Oh yeah, the New Day. What, yeah. Oh, funny story. I know the guy that made that for them. Oh, that's cool. That is Michael Wilson, aka Nightmage, one of. The most prolific cosplayers that I am aware of and an amazingly nice guy. He made that stuff for the New Day. He had made a set of um, uh, steampunk uh, kick pads for Becky Lynch too, but she opted not to wear them. So, you know, okay. There's my personal connection aside kind of thing.
1: So I do want to call out, I want to call out one of the standout performances of um, Wrestle Kingdom, and that is none other than Brandy Rhodes.
2: Yeah, Brandy Rhodes, look, Cody, I like Cody. I think he's improved tremendously as a worker. I think he's improved as a character. Uh, his act, I felt, though, has reached a different level with Brandy Rhodes' his ballet or... Hi.
1: I absolutely loved her when she interfered and she just did there and she's going to juice like come on come on punch me in the face
2: yeah she was daring him to punch her
1: and then she gets thrown out of the match and she just randomly abuses some young boy that's trying to let her out of the ringside area yeah but juice like man don't get rid of the facial hair you look like a freak
0: there's a reason that after I grew my beard I never got rid of it you know, I'm in, in my mid-30s now. If I were to shave my beard off, then I'm pretty sure I'd get carded for buying tobacco. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: if, if it was 10 years ago, and I was in my mid-20s and I shaved it off, I'm sure there would be people who would come up to me and be asking the large child if he knew where his parents were. <laughs> like, that's serious. I got some serious baby face going. If you've got a beard and it works for you just keep it that's just that's some free advice out there just
2: keep it i want to say i unironically love juice robinson's theme
1: yeah it's fun
2: it's all it, it starts getting all like techno music though like edm yeah And he had a really he had a good performance. That the the Juice you, Cody, Cody Rhodes match. They could have used match. another
1: five minutes.
2: Yeah, um, and it wasn't it wasn't like a, anything. Like I liked it. I thought it was a good match. Um, it wasn't anything special per se.
1: No.
2: Uh, but it was it was fun. I actually like both guys a lot. I I guess Juice just signed a new contract with New Japan for at least uh, I think three years. Um, I I I like that. I think they've really done a good job with him. In New Japan, he's really. I mean, I am as shocked as anyone that a guy who was basically just a jobber in NXT has become, you know, at least like a really good mid card to even upper mid card worker in New Japan, all through like his own hard work. And he's good. I enjoy him.
1: It's nice to see when guys bet on themselves like that and it actually works Mm. out. Yeah. So then, um, the other standout match to me was, um, Zack Saber Jr. versus uh, Ishii. Ishii. Mm-hmm. I really like that one, but as I said, I think I texted you during it. Is I love watching the little football man beat the shit out of people.
2: <laughs> yeah, I. This is actually to me. This was if you're counting, if you're counting the uh, gauntlet match. This was the fourth match on the card. And this is actually where I felt the pay-per-view actually started to come together. It actually, it, To me, the pay-per-view started with this match. Um, I actually liked it a lot. The crowd was really hot for it. And this uh, is for
1: a belt that is for a different promotion in England.
2: Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
1: But you know what I love about the Zack Sabre Jr. thing is I love Taka Michinoku cutting those pre-match promos for him. Oh, yeah. And he's pretty much just talking about how awesome he is. At least mm. I think he is, because he... All I can hear, understand is, like, the Zack Sabre Jr. stuff.
2: Yeah. Taka's really good in the, as his, uh, like, a stable mate. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like this match a lot. Uh, I know you're not the biggest fan of Zack Sabre Jr.
1: No, he works better in New Japan for some reason, but that's a lot because they they limit his time more and he can't fall into his excesses but my my problem with Zack Sabre Jr is pretty much like a lot of his grappling seems like he doesn't actually have a working understanding of how grappling works
0: he's just doing a lot of shit yeah that's my problem with Zack Sabre Jr like i I know I mentioned it before i've I've done like Matt grappling and Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I'm not good, very good at it. I've done it. I don't know how I'm supposed to buy this skinny dude like spinning around on his back to escape a hold while the other guy just watched him. Like I'm supposed to buy this as a, a thing. I can't. It, I, there, I'm sure other people enjoy it, it but to me, that just for, kills my immersion. I call it, it kind of it, work for Johnny Saint.
1: Yeah, but the say, like the, the my problem with um, S- Saber is I call it grapple fuck like there's a certain lack of um, <laughs> there's a certain lack of like <laughs> resistance to his moves that ruins it and a lot of the stuff he does it's just like you're just like bending his arm like some way and acting like that's supposed to hurt whereas if you watch like Ronda Rousey do it like there's like she's putting torque on stuff like she's kind of yeah. like, making sure she's she's like you know
0: she's doing it right yeah It the the stuff i have seen out of saber and and since you already used that term brad i I don't feel bad about using this the stuff i've seen out of saber seemed almost like masturbatory in look how cool i am and this is what my style is and i'm like the first time i saw it i was like okay and then the second time i saw it i was completely taken out of it because and, and I, I just can't buy in yeah
1: and the other thing is like especially with Rhonda, is like there's that progression there's that okay this is my end game which is i'm going to arm bar you and tear your arm out of your socket so th- to do that i have to do a b c and d to get to that point where i have it right and Saber's just like oh well i'm just gonna Move your arm this way because that's supposed to hurt.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So so there's my my not complimentary opinion on but Zach Saber.
1: He works better in New Japan because he's more limited, so he can't do that as much, and he's in a lot of tags where I think he actually works better.
0: <laughs> I swear if I was still working and I was in a match with Zach Saber Jr., he'd start doing that and I'd be like, okay. While you're doing this, I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you, you're gonna start doing one of your spinny things. I'm just gonna stomp on you in the middle of it. <laughs> that, that would totally happen. Is he'd be like, "I got your arm now. I'm spinning around. I just, I just take my other arm and like punch him in the face or something." Be like, "No, no, no. That's, I'm, 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 I'm cutting through. <laughs> that's so yeah, big talk from big talk from someone who hung it
1: up." All right. I will say um, the Osprey-Ibushi match I've seen get a lot of hype online, and I don't really see it with that match. I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was great. But I don't like Osprey, so I'm biased.
2: I do like Osprey. Um, I obviously like Ibushi a lot more. I'm a pretty big fan of of Ibushi. I really cannot wait to see what Dave Meltzer rates this match as. Because I'm sure he'll give it a very high rating. And to me, like, I... I was talking to to these guys when I was watching it or just after I watched it. It is a technically good match, but I just felt nothing for it. Yeah. Like, it, to me, it had absolutely no emotional connection. It was almost like the match was just there.
1: Yeah, and and here's the thing you have to understand. If you've never seen an Abushi match, I've legit watched Ibushi have what I would say is almost a legitimate three-star match with a blow-up doll in DDT.
2: <laughs> he is exceptionally talented.
1: Yeah, like, and, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Like, he had a probably eight minute match with a blow up doll, and it is a great match. Uh,
0: yeah, I
2: will, I will say it. it's it's impressive. Okay. Yeah, I'm just dying to see Meltzer's match review because yeah. he, he is. I like Dave. I've met him a few times. He's a very nice guy, but he is one of like the biggest Osprey fanboys on the face of the planet. I literally, like, about a a month or two ago, observed him arguing with people on Twitter, like, dead serious, making the case that uh, Will Osprey is better than any version of Sean Michaels, <laughs> like any version. The thing I don't not like not modern day, not like back in the eighties, like all versions of Michael's that have ever existed, that Osprey's better than him.
1: You, you know and I, it's
2: like, Dave,
1: yeah. stop. You know what I don't understand though, about people that get high on that Meltzer hate and try and like pick apart everything he rates and does and just like look for things to complain about is if you followed Meltzer for any length of time, and I'm talking, you can go back to the eighties, you can see the kind of matches he likes And you shouldn't be surprised because he has been consistent about what he likes in wrestling and you can see the evolution of it.
2: Everyone, people aren't robots, so he definitely has biases uh, that are factored into his ratings. I, in fairness to him, I think I would generally say if he thinks a match is good. More often than not, it's going to at least be good. Yeah, like, it may not be like I may not be like that's a five star match, absolutely, or a six, seven, eight star match, yeah. whatever he's up to. But, but generally, if he thinks the match is good, or if he thinks the match is crap, it, he's probably going to be right. So, but
1: he likes he's he likes
2: quibbling, yeah, he
1: likes high paced matches with stuff in it, like, he always has.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, there's, it also there's...
0: seems, if I remember correctly, at one point Meltzer had even said that if it's not in the Tokyo Dome, it's not as good a match or something like that.
1: I, I also think, too, people on the Internet put more thought into his star ratings than he does.
2: They might, yeah. Yeah, they, they'll pour it over. Yeah. Where, whereas it's, hey, it's such an arbitrary thing that literally could be... I mean, we've probably seen that in our life. Like, we've gone... I mean, Chad, you've been in wrestling matches, but we've all yeah. probably been to shows. And there are shows where it's like, maybe if you watch it on TV, if you, let's say we're go- you're going to, like, a pay-per-view or something that's taped, and you watch it after the fact. And you're like, wow, it, it doesn't seem as great as it was live. Because the live element adds something to it. Yeah, That's that's a conversation Brad and I had at
0: one point, is yeah. to be there live and see what's going on yeah is part of what wrestling is is playing to the live crowd that's a big big part of it and it's you know it's supposed to be it's always been that way it's baked into the very bones of what wrestling is and so being there and being involved in it uh, is is so different than watching it on tv because there's just this disconnect, you know. I, I remember going to a WWE house show, must have been ten years ago at this point, point. and you know half the half the card is people basically just goofing off. But then to see what if I went back and watched it on TV, I'd probably be like, ah, that's that that was good, but it wasn't great. But to be there and see the a Ric Flair Shawn Michaels match that was absolutely engaging. And part of it is, you know, Flair came out first, and every, it's Flair, so everyone's cheering for him. And then he starts telling people in Kentucky that they don't know how basketball works, and they know how to play in North Carolina. They, he, you know, in one moment he had people banging for his blood, and then just in the middle of it, you know, Michael starts pandering to the Kentucky crowd. He, UK clothesline kind of stuff, you know, pantomiming it out. There is there is an aspect of seeing it on TV versus seeing it live that loses a lot.
1: Well, I told you once, like, I think one of the most compelling things I saw live were the heels at a Chikara show fucking with a lady's water bottle for, like, five minutes of a match.
0: Right. And it was just keeping it away from her, wasn't it?
1: No, they 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 were accusing the other guy of having like steroids in his water or something. So they stole some lady's water bottle <laughs> and made the ref drink out of it to compare to the other guy's water bottle. <laughs> and then they were like, okay. So they go to hand it to her and the heel, like, and she reaches for it. And right as she's about to touch it, the heel just drops it on the floor.
0: Right. And the if you watch that on TV, that's going to be amusing, but it's, it it just doesn't have the same, It's not the same as seeing it live.
1: And you don't get that thunk of the water bottle on the ground and like, yeah. No,
0: there's, there's, there's a lot missing there. The atmosphere doesn't carry over the same way.
1: Yeah. But so I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb here for my final thoughts on this show. We don't usually throw snowflakes around on this show, so... For Naito Jericho, I would give that about four and a four stars. And the main event, I don't give it out often. I actually don't give it out as much as I should. I'm going to give the main event five stars.
2: I would easily give it five stars, yeah.
0: All right. Well, that's, that's a whole lot on, on Wrestle Kingdom. Thank you guys for, for recapping that. Um, I will try and catch what I can.
1: Um, I'll see if I'll I can find you can can a torrent it. of just the main event Shad because I think you would like it because it's not there's not a lot of moves in it they keep it pretty grounded and I bet they don't even use more than twelve different moves the whole match.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we'll take a look at it and see. I, I look forward to being able to watch it. Um, another big, st- I'm going to transition this now. Another big state of right now thing that's happening is. Um, the announcement, uh, the official announcement of All Elite Wrestling, AEW, as well as tonight, you know, this very night when we're recording, um, there was the press conference for the AEW launch party, basically. Um, what's going to be happening? What's going to be going into it? I've got some notes here about who's going to be involved, I've got some notes about some rumors that are floating around. And, um, I'm really looking forward to what this could be.
1: Uh, yeah, Cody
0: be. has, Cody, Cody has kind of found a way to make this hybrid of, you know, he worked in WD, WWE for a long time. He's worked in Japan a long time. He worked American Indies a long time and he's been successful everywhere. So he's kind of found a, a, a mindset or a style that seems fairly universal
1: yeah, and they've kind of so, made a splash a little quicker than I thought with some of the names that came up today.
0: Yeah, um, let me—I've got a list here of confirmed roster members uh, at the end of the press conference that they had. So you had Cody in the Bucks, which is to be expected. Um, Adam Page, yeah, Christopher Daniels. Uh, yeah, all the uh, the SoCal and sensor guys. Yeah, did, did, uh, did
1: Scorpio Sky sign with them too?
0: Yep, and uh, Kazarian, which would that no shock. Kazarian launched a cigar brand with
2: Cody. That Cody, that was going to yeah. happen. Yeah, um, which Joe, I am super uh, interested to try. I, I gotta know, be honest, I am too. They're not um, cheap as cigars are usually not, but uh, I am tempted.
1: Can I, yeah, l- can I share one of my favorite... Um, It's more the addiction than SoCalden Censor, but one of my favorite moments is when they were doing those videos of the DDT Iron Man belt and they're at Comic-Con. And um, oh Spider-Man God. stole it. And, like, um, like, one of them grabs the Spider-Man. It's just a random dude. And, like, Kazarian just blasts him in the face of the belt and then they what? steal it. And they're like, yes, like, we're both, like... One and a half like champions now
0: Wow Okay
1: And this is like on the Just... floor at like Comic Con Like on the sales floor <laughs> they doing this
0: I've got to be honest with you If I was still working I'd be trying to I would have already been trying to finagle something like that uh, For a promotion I worked in But I don't The promotions I worked for were kind of old school So I don't know if they would have gone for it um, Other people uh, Joey Janella is confirmed Pack is confirmed. Uh, Jericho is confirmed. SEMA, T-Hawk, L. Lindemann, Takahiro Yamamura, Penelope Ford, Britt Baker, and of course, Brandy.
1: I think MJF's... Um... Did I
0: not say MJF? MJF's on the list. I just didn't know if I... I, I might have did not
2: you, said it. Did you mention Joey Dan- Janela? I did. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, and... Uh... Also appearing at the rally was Pac, the formerly known as uh, Neville. Um, yeah, a, I mentioned him. It's Oh, sorry. Yeah it's, yeah, it's unclear if he's, like, signed with the company or if he's just showed up there to kind of promote what looks like possibly a match with,
1: they're working with Adam Page. With, they're working with Shima's group, so he will probably be involved via Shima's group.
2: And dry. Well, uh, ne- Pac Neville is... a. Uh, I think he's working right now with Dragon Gate. So, uh, if he, if SEMA or him can work as a liaison, then that potentially also opens up like the Dragon Gate guys, which would be pretty fascinating too. Yeah, I actually was a a big fan of SEMA from back in the day. Like I, I'd be super interested to see SEMA doing some some U.S. matches. Like I don't, I know. St- I don't yeah, know, I don't
0: know. SEMA's good. finish once. Oh yeah, uh, I did the iconoclasm on somebody once. I might even have a picture of it somewhere.
2: One of so this is like a, a, a like a, incredible sidebar, but uh, <laughs> one of the best random things, and there was many random things about uh, like late '90s WCW Nitro, is when they had Tokyo Magnum
1: yes. uh,
2: as as Disco Inferno and Alex Wright's like sidekick. Yes, uh, if you don't know him. Uh, tokyo magnum or magnum tokyo he kind of like went by both names uh was a japanese wrestler i think he's retired now
1: yeah he's been he, retired for or, a while
2: yeah he worked for uh what is it toramon was that the and,
1: and uh, i think early dragon gate because early dragon
2: up. gate yeah he worked for toromon which was ultimo dragon's company and then he worked with dragon gate and because was uh... kind of
1: became dragon gate i don't remember the story for that but that's kind of like what happened <laughs> yeah
2: yeah, and he worked for them, and he was actually a pretty good uh, worker back in the day. Like, he was entertaining, and he was great because he was just this Japanese dude dressed like kind of like a stripper, and he would just come out and yeah. dance yeah, them too. He was totally—it was, like, was a chippendales gimmick. Yeah, he was like their protege. <laughs> they were like teaching <laughs> him how to be a dancer, and it was so random. And he got but, murdered by public enemy. I saw him. Oh, okay.
1: uh, I saw him wrestle on a house show actually. Oh yeah, I think it was he wrestled Chavo. Huh.
2: On a house show, that, wow, so they, if, they probably gave them, like, 10 minutes, and it was probably a good match.
1: Yeah, this is like, back in, like, 98, like, around the yeah. Halloween Havoc, so.
0: And, and that Chavo had an amazing Tornado DDT in that time period. I don't think he uses it anymore, but his Tornado DDT was fantastic.
1: I think Pepe was still alive at the time, too. <laughs> oh, Pepe! Verdict.
0: Pepe! That would be Moppy's father. And I do consider Pepe to be that's I do consider Pepe to be superior. That
1: is underrated. One of the best Nitro moments ever is when Norman Smiley threw Pepe <laughs> into a wood chipper and shot yeah. reaction.
0: I remember Smiley riding Pepe back there, encouraging Pepe to come with him. And it was that was in the middle of Smiley's like big wiggle push. So it, he was like doing that as he rode Pepe along. And it was hysterical.
1: I think we could do a whole episode on Norman Smiley's um, WCW run.
0: You yeah, might be able to. Okay, um, sorry to drag us back <laughs> over to the AEW stuff. I have some other notes. Um, Cody had a few statements during the the press conference. Um, he said, you know, the he wanted he wanted to make sure the wrestlers in AEW were well paid. He said wins and losses will matter more than ever before. So it's like they're going to take the competitive aspect seriously. Um, apparently, they're going to be partnering partnering with a Chinese promotion some. Um, so they can do some talent exchange and give them an opportunity to kind of showcase in the States. Uh, there will be a women's division. Um, they are Brandy has stated that everyone's going to be paid on equal scale, men, women, whatever, uh, regardless so, where I guess however they perform or whatever contracts are signed to, it's not going to, you know, it's not like there's a difference between Divas contract and a, a main roster contract
2: or anything. See, they say that, but I would really be curious to see how that actually works in practice because I have to feel like there actually will be differences. Like maybe it's it'll be based upon your position on the card. I, I don't know. Like, I, to, I don't either, just, but I it see. seems odd to me. It seems odd to me that unless they structure it some way where it's like you're getting a huge amount of your own merchandising dollars or something. Like I can't imagine that whoever they're bringing in as like a job guy is, is going to be getting the same amount of money as, you know, your main event workers. No,
1: no well, no, I think that's not what they
0: mean. they're saying that if it's, if it's men or women, it's going it, oh, to be, it's going pay. I, I'm thinking they're going to, if I was, if I was doing it, I would have tiered contracts. So it's like, if you come in here and you're going to be a job guy, this is what tier your contract's going to be, but if you start catching on, we'll bump you up. Mm. Um, that would be my guess.
1: So I, so my thoughts on um, AEW, which I, I have trouble saying that name for some reason, but so my my two thoughts for AEW and the two keys for the next six months. Well, the two keys for them to start with is, I think one is, will Kenny Omega sign with them at the end of January. Mm.
0: There's a rumor that's floating around tied in with that, that either Kenny Omega will sign with them or one of the stipulations of Omega re-signing with New Japan is that um, he gets to work with AEW, which would basically strong arm uh, New Japan into working with AEW. I
1: I think New Japan is going to eventually work with AEW because I think that benefits them more than Ring of Honor because what what I think is really going to happen here is I think Ring of Honor is screwed
2: i kind of think they're in bad trouble too they they clearly are not counting i well, even before this new company was announced they started making uh contract offers to some big name guys including like jeff cobb they signed bandito so it was obvious that the money that they would otherwise be using for like the bucks
1: yeah but
2: uh and i do you, do you expect just as a side um do you expect someone like Marty Skrull, who I think his contract runs out in like March or April? Do you think he's going to go to AEW? Because I would imagine I he think would. he will. Probably,
0: uh, yeah. I would expect that to be the case. Be-
1: because here's the thing with Ring of Honor, like look at the PCO thing. Like they did, de- they debuted PCO. It probably hasn't hit TV yet, but they debuted him in like the most boring, like, bland way possible, and everyone was just like, oh. Like, that, like the internet gave a collective, really?
2: I mean, yeah. to me, the elite guys uh, and basically the SoCal guys are the most entertaining parts of our of Ring of Honor. And now they're out. Yeah. And I don't know if AEW gets to basically, essentially, like, a bidding war at, with Ring of Honor for talent out there. Uh, I don't know that Ring of Honor is going to Going to come out ahead. There's two things that AEW potentially has in their favor. One is they have a literally they literally have a billionaire backing them. Um, yeah, I forget his first name, but uh,
1: con- last name con- Yeah,
2: Khan. Yeah, who uh, the okay. family?
1: The family Here's owns
2: the Jaguars. Jaguars.
0: One of them. Did hmm? they also own a um, a British uh, soccer team? I can't remember which one. One of them, if I remember correctly, is named Tony Khan. The other, the one is named Shad Khan. So, I'm gonna get to dig on it. I was
2: on the wrestling scene, okay? You I, I, I can't can't impugn on me. This is my gimmick. Yeah. Uh. There can only be one. It's like the WWE. There can only be one Shane. they're, can, they're Well, they they fired the Shad they had too because yeah. So,
1: but I think. Uh, but I'm still here.
2: I'm still standing. Yeah. The other thing that they potentially have in their favor is that some of the things that came out of the rally today and this will be really interesting to see if this actually gets in, like in place but allegedly they want to do all like some sort of benefits like real-life benefits for whoever gets signed with them uh, at a minimum allegedly some sort of health insurance that uh, be, like a, a guaranteed health insurance so you know if you have something that would be amazing. Like yeah, have a company that offers that benefit. Mm -hmm.
0: I I think, were I still out there and like seriously trying to pursue it, that alone would make this place into the the place I wanted to be, because just by doing that, it shows how much they care about their performers, as opposed to Vince's like independent contractor nonsense that he keeps dodging lawsuits about. Well,
1: and I think um I think they have some good options. Like they could probably work with Impact because Impact's been so like if they joined up with that Impact like Lucha Underground kind of thing that's been going on they could really benefit from that because I think I think honestly for them if they went to Impact and say hey how about we do your TV for a while um, who's gonna say no to that
2: allegedly according to Meltzer who he's The only thing he's reported is that there are apparently TV deals out there. Like He doesn't elaborate, though, if it's like deals are actually in the work or if there's actually offers or people are just talking. I think the fact that uh, the cons have a lot of media connections, I think that would probably be in their favor that they could get some sort of TV deal. Um, Here's, okay. that was Who my knows? other
1: that was my other big point other than kenny is can they get tv because that's where they're gonna sink or swim like right out of the gate is if they can get on tv or not
0: yeah what well, there is um some rumors floating around and then there's a guy on reddit that claims that he has sources on this that um that Meltzer says there's a, there's a tv deal this guy claims that it's with turner uh, that would be whether it be on TBS or TNT
1: yeah it is i would
2: probably mark for that Just, it, would, it, it did it,
1: did, it I, I might be remembering this wrong but didn't that part of the WCW clause end a couple years ago too
0: i don't know um, i it, it was fascinating to me cuz whenever the the tv talks got going i i did some poking around and put some pondering on it and there are certain places that it just wasn't going to happen. Places that already have, you know, an established uh, relationship with Vince in some way, um, and then you could probably discount Disney places for it. What does that leave in in terms of big places? That'd be like TNT, TBS, and maybe WGN. So it it, it seemed it, it the amusing part is to have wrestling return to Turner. Oh, you know, all these years later, 20 years later, uh, would be kind of awesome. And the, I, I did some reading. It, at the time, WCW wasn't doing well, but they were starting to turn a corner. But it wouldn't have mattered if they were turning over 500 million year profit. The, I can't remember the guy from uh, AOL who was put in charge of it. He was going to cut them no matter what. Oh, Calder? Yeah, kill him. Yeah. That's right. It didn't matter how well they were doing. He was going to cut them because he didn't like them.
1: He canceled the Animaniacs, yeah. too.
0: That bastard. All right, where's this guy at? Because we've got some stuff to go straight now. This is going to be a 4 be corners dead, road trip.
1: Honestly. Right.
0: I was here the whole time. I (laughs) I have an alibi.
1: So I'm cautiously optimistic about this because, um, like I said, the Bullet Club versus Golden Lovers um, feud was pretty well done last year. All In was Mm -hmm. a pretty good show. Um, And bringing Joey Janela on, especially if they put him on the booking committee, I think is good. And I think they have some other working relationships. Like, I think they could bring Super Dragon into the fold and a couple other guys like that that have proven they can book... Um, successful promotions. I'm
0: also um, fascinated by the idea of who might leave WWE for AEW and break out in a big way, you know, to see um, some guys who are in NXT that they look at the the main roster being too full and they're like, you know, when my contract runs out, I could go over here and have an opportunity to do some big stuff. Or, like, let's say that um, Anderson Gallows are like, you know, there's some buddies of ours that work over there. We could go do that. Or someone like, I don't know, Chad Gable might be like, "Mm, I think I can do more than this. I want to go prove myself somewhere that will let me actually prove it. Could be fascinating. And all these guys who who we'd look around at, we might say, yeah, Vince is sleeping on these guys, might show up there and prove it.
2: You know, there is someone who could come and join aew and i'm actually i actually mean this seriously cm punk and i only say that because in the last like month or so at least like well i guess even more recently last two three weeks uh i felt like there was some sort of news where he was like he he mentioned or came out that he was like contemplating to come back like he's putting out feelers it seemed like I mean, not that I not that I necessarily want him to, but yeah, if he were he, to come back and associate with them, that would actually give them a lot of like recognition and eyes on. That's true. It, it would. I just I
0: I would not be excited for that. But yeah, you know, I, I think you're. I think yeah, it could be. Um. I don't know. It's it's I mean that could be a big shot in the arm for them but um I don't know. But it's it's it's
1: I mean we're going to have you're going to have to accept your listeners. You're going to this, you're gonna have to accept that there's going to be some there's going to be some hiccups as they get it off the ground. There's going to be some bad creative choices. It's going to be a learning experience, but I think um I think it's the first time since WCW closed that a company is starting up that has such mainstream pull and like such goodwill towards them that like the Bucks and Cody do. That um, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes.
0: Yeah, yeah, it could. Incidentally, I just I pulled up my Twitter feed to go look something up. Back on December third, Dash Wilder in the Revival said, "One day we'll wrestle the Young Bucks, and everyone will rejoice. Remember this." uh that kind of sounds like a we're not real happy here and we want to explore this kind of thing be interesting. without saying it
1: it would be interesting if the new day jump ship
2: wow that would be a huge yeah, would, that would be fantastic but uh i don't think that's gonna happen no. I, I think there's too much tied
0: in with with their other promotional stuff and yeah and and trying to like claw up, up, down, down out of WWE's grasp and stuff like that would be pretty tough to do.
1: I I think what you're going to see is it's going to be, it's going to be someone like Finn Balor Mm -hmm. who's kind of hits a ceiling and just like, Hey, I want to go hang out with my friends and like gets a decent offer probably comparable to his WWE offer. And suddenly you see him like as a player there and getting like good creative behind him and then yeah. his friends in WWE are going to talk to him. He's going to be like, well, I'm making the same money. I'm working less. And look at what they're doing with me. And then that's where I think you're going to see, like.
0: It's just going to take one guy to, yeah. to start the. Well,
2: I mean. I can, all, I can also see people like uh, like Breezango. Oh, yeah. And guys who are, like, uh, entertaining and actually uh, pretty decent in the ring like maybe if their contracts run out and aew's going well like they would they would move over there because i think they could potentially do something interesting i mean i would have never thought that trent veretta of all people would have become kind of an interesting character or worker
1: i used to i used to despise trent veretta in the ring yeah
2: but he's improved a lot and that's from working the indie scene and and going to Japan, so I think someone like Tyler Breeze, because he's had some really good matches in NXT, and he's they've actually had him drop down back to NXT and have like a couple matches and recently. I used
1: to love him in NXT, and, and it hurts my soul the way they just <laughs> don't do anything with him.
2: Yeah, but that's like a uh, that's to me like when I'm thinking like, well, who would benefit? Like that's clearly a guy because like he was someone who I think like the the idea that. The the taking the risk to to jump ship would potentially work out. Like he would have it'd be a high risk but high reward because he's the guy I, I could actually see like really getting over, and doing a lot.
1: Yeah, that's yeah.
2: the type of guy I'm thinking of. I did. The, like, the, yeah,
0: the other thing ahead. I wanted to say about the Brizango is those guys were so. There's no way that I'm gonna give people beyond them like the people I saw on camera, a whole lot of credit for the Fashion Files stuff they did backstage. I laughed my nuts off at some of those. When they did the Twin Peaks uh, parodies as part of the Fashion Files, I cackled at that. And then, you know, they're doing like the weird stuff, like pouring maple syrup on a log, and and Fandango's laughing with like the weird lights on his face, and Tyler Breeze is going, that's enough symbolism, no more symbolism, was awesome. Hysterical, and the fact that you could have these guys start expressing that kind of personality in a place that's not afraid to let funny people be funny on their terms or something would—I'd be so on board.
1: You, you know what AEW needs? It needs Lance Catamaran. <laughs> <laughs>
2: He needs I, I, all of those guys.
1: I can't believe they it haven't is, done a, you know a season three. Like, my wife thought that was hilarious, and she's like, what are they doing more? And they've never done more.
0: I don't know, man. That's... I don't know. He he had his stint up in Utica, but now...
1: Not a Ric Flair, imp- not Ric Flair impersonator? Yeah. Try the <laughs> woo chicken! Woo! <laughs>
2: <laughs> so...
0: I am I am personally like really looking forward to what AEW could be. There is so much potential that could happen there, and if from what we hear on the um, from what we hear from the, the the press conference and the rumors and stuff, if this this stuff pans out, it could be amazing. Um, they're planning Double or Nothing in Las Vegas on May 25th in the MGM Arena, so um i'm really i'm really excited for for what could
2: happen yeah can i actually go back to something yeah uh, the kenny omega stuff because uh, <laughs> he was not at the rally but that's because he's currently still under contract with new japan there's been a lot of there was a lot of talk in the last couple of days because he put out a statement after like wrestle kingdom the last couple of days he put out a statement where he's basically s- saying if, I, I don't have the statement in front of he me was but the statement time the way, off from... Yeah, he was like taking time off from like I don't want to be part of New Japan anymore and people were taking like, Oh, he's not gonna re sign with them, he's gonna go to AEW or he's gonna go to the WWE. Like now it's it's entirely possible he will sign with AEW. He's still under contract, so like legally he cannot even give an indication that he's gonna do whatever. Um, he, and obviously, there's we we talked earlier just a few minutes ago about how he could go with AEW that could spark AEW having the New Japan connection that would be pretty awesome, etc. But if you actually read his statement to me, uh, and I mentioned this to you guys like on Messenger, it's to me it read completely in character because again, if you watched the main event uh, for Wrestle Kingdom, the storyline yeah. of the match. Was that Kenny was like I'm the future like I'm the best thing in wrestling Tanahashi is you know he's like the old guy he needs to step down like his time is over and in the statement that he gave one of the big lines that I really focused on what he said like I need to step away from New Japan I don't want to be here with Tanahashi running things so to me it was like okay so he he probably is taking time off because his contract is running out in a month so there may not be doing much with him in the next month. I don't know. I don't know if he's booked for any New Japan shows, but
1: He kind of with- the same thing a couple years ago. Yeah. I think after the first Okada match.
2: Yeah. So it makes entirely entirely makes sense for him to just say that, which is a very like storyline response where it's like it's not like oh, I'm done with the company. Really. It's yeah. I don't want to be here because in storyline. I don't like the fact that I was beat and Tanahashi's the new like standard bearer for New Japan going forward. Yeah. So it would not it would be to me like if if a month from now we're talking about how Kenny Omega has signed with AEW or he's re-signed with New Japan and he's going to be allowed to work for AEW, like it would make complete sense.
1: And, and the thing is his um contract runs out at the end of this month and um... They don't really run any shows other than the triple, well, the Lucha Mania, or whatever they're called. Um, they run that CMA, CMLL, New Japan like crossover series. There's nothing they're going to actually use him for through January, so he's not even going to have a, a chance to appear before his contract runs out.
0: You might as well just just use an angle reason to take some time off yeah heal up because there's no way you're gonna go through go through the kind of intense matches he's gone through and not have have some nagging stuff that you'd like to be able to let heal
1: up yeah but like he wouldn't appear until they started like touring to go into new beginning in February so it's not like really that big a deal so um <clears throat> I would like to close on it like a brief conversation that I think we had talked about kind of over the break because we were um, kind of we kind of took a break for the holidays. We kind of recorded out, but we kind of missed um, the UFC crowning an illegitimate champion while we were out. Uh, oh God! Out.
0: Oh God! Yeah, yeah. There's okay. So there's a lot of stuff that goes at play here.
1: So it's um, essentially yeah. Essentially, we, we John literally... Jones... literally. Fa- failed a test for the same substance he got suspended for because if you get turnball
2: yeah I, I, i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that correctly but it, yeah but if you... which is it's not i don't think it's te- i don't know if that's technically a steroid but it's basically a substance you use to like mask steroid yeah.
1: use but so he if you get into the thing because there's a lot of excuse making especially from the ufc that using that pulsing bs But if you you look at the actual test, I think he had the exact same amount of that substance, like the same concentration that he had previously. Mm -hmm. And from what I've seen, the science isn't quite settled, but no one quite thinks that it lasts in your system for a year and a half.
2: (laughs) So we've, we've talked about him a bit on this podcast thus far, but Dave Meltzer actually had... A pretty actually great write-up, and one of his observers uh, basically going over the whole story, going over like the facts and everything, because there's a lot that a lot of facts that were not put out there. surprised by the UFC, mm-hmm. um, and once it's all kind of laid out there, like there really is no good logical argument to make that for you to believe anything that John Jones or Dana White or anyone at the UFC is telling you. Even you saw that like,
1: they're they're.
2: Oh, you saw, it's, I, I, I didn't realize we you're like going to get into this. I actually, I'm like very hot about this story. Like I could talk about this for like an hour, but I won't, um, safe to say like, I think USADA is a joke. They've, they've completely like pissed away all their credibility. The UFC, the UFC is basically pissed away any credibility they still had. They've been kind of pulling like weird shenanigans, Uh, For a while now But this This kind of They basically Made themselves Like boxing They made themselves Like a laughing stock All for John Jones He is Let me I'm sorry If you're a fan Of John Jones He's a piece of shit And I don't mean that Just because he's a cheater He is a human piece of shit Like he he is a drug addict. He's admitted to smoking crack cocaine. He's been caught with that multiple times. He got into an argument. Uh, not an argument. He got into a car accident with a pregnant woman probably because he was high because, again, hey, he's a drug he addict. He ran
1: from the scene, came he back flew, to... Yeah,
2: he fleed from the scene. It was a hit and run on a pregnant woman. Yeah. He was caught for that. He had to pay a lot of money, and when he was called out on that for, like, you know, that's a really reprehensible thing you did, he made a snarky comment where it's like, well, you know, I, I paid her a lot of money. Yeah,
1: because it's like, you hit her you. with a you car. Re-
2: yeah, you don't have remorse? He doesn't, He's not someone who has remorse. He cheats. He gets away with it. They make excuses for him, and there's, there's still a lot of dumb people out there who are like,
1: oh, he beat Daniel
2: Cormier. It's like every win that he has put a fucking asterisk behind it beside it, because he is he's a cheat,
1: and the thing is if if you or I were in that car wreck and did the exact same thing, we would still be in jail,
2: yeah, we'd have a lot of problems. yeah, we'd, we'd still yeah. have a lot of problems. We'd probably be fired from the jobs that we have because of all of it. Look, and, and another thing that happened is again, so I, I'm like really hot about this, so i'm I'm digressing a lot, but one of the things that with this most recent failure, is some of the facts that came out. I believe I could be like misquoting this, but he had the big test failure that caused the eighteen-month suspension. It should have been a four-year suspension given all of his previous failings. Yeah, uh, but it wasn't. So between that was at a certain level they're alleging basically that oh the substance that he just got tested positive for is the same substance and it's still from that prior use that occurred like two years ago or 18 months ago however long it was in the last few months allegedly it's like gone it's quote still in his system but was at lower levels and then it recently has elevated and they're trying to make the claim. Oh no, that's the same thing. And it's like, look, you you mentioned the science isn't quite settled, but again, Dave Meltzer kind of laid it all out there. It's very, very, very unrealistic for him to not have used the substances, the banned substances again. And for there to be these like wide fluctuations where, you know, three months ago it's at, let's say it's at like a 50, and here it is, like, you know, a week before the fight. And all of a sudden it's at 100. Well, I think he it's like it should be slowly going down over time, yeah. not like bouncing. up And,
0: and the, down. The, yeah, well, the statement there is how dumb do you think that we are exactly?
1: Well, and they to
0: to buy that
1: they suspended Tom Lawler for two years for a fraction of what he had in his system for this.
2: Yeah. And then when he was finally about to be cleared. They they fired him. They, like, terminated his contract.
1: Yep. And here's the thing, too, is he he passed numerous tests, and then the, f- the one right before the test, like, right when he was in training for the fight, suddenly it spiked again. Like, come on, seriously? Like, you don't think he's not using...
2: Look, they, 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 the UFC like pissed away all credibility for like the worst human being yeah. in the sports.
1: Well, but and, and, and this is and
2: that's fine. Like they've all cashed out. Like Dana White can get up there and lie his ass off and be a piece of shit. Uh, but, you know, and what does he care? Because he got like he literally got hundreds of million but dollars in the UFC. This is coming buyout.
1: off of the whole Conor thing, and then they reward him for assaulting a bunch of people with a fight. And then they try and hold Khabib accountable for...
2: Yeah, they, they, they've now established a, <laughs> a policy where if you are uh, what they consider a top star, like you can get away with just about anything, yeah. including cheating, including criminal acts. And I have someone who like Conor McGregor, but come on.
1: <laughs>
2: also, the other
0: thing that bothers me is not only are they basically saying they issue this blank check, but... The management is saying, "By the way, we'll screw over other people on the card for you." Yeah. Because oh, since, yeah. that was uh, the beautiful Nevada. Thing. Yeah. Since Nevada wouldn't wouldn't clear everything and say, "Yeah, we'll do it here," they're like, "Well, well, I guess we'll do it in L.A." And then everybody else is like, "Uh, by the way, I'm supposed to be on your card. I already got the tickets and everything. Are you going to be like contributing?" And they're like, "No, nope, no, nope, that's on you. You figure it out." And it's like,
2: "Yeah." They did so something so reprehensible. One, it was incredibly unfair to every other fighter on that and card. And
1: don't forget the fans.
2: Oh, that's the oh, second yeah. part. I was going to get to that. There, it was so unfair to all the other fighters on that card, including uh, Amanda Nunez, who had really like the big fight in that pay-per-view. Um, she look, Nevada doesn't have, I believe, doesn't have a state tax, something to that nature. Okay, LA uh, California does and they have actually quite high taxes. Yeah. So literally someone like Amanda Nunez lost <clears throat> out pro- or it's either her or Chris Cyborg like went on record saying that they the fight that they had like they were going to get paid a certain amount and still did. But once they had to factor out the taxes that they should not have had to pay, they literally lost six figures whoa and that is just the fighters like you could think yeah. well, that's, that's really screwing over the fighters what's really reprehensible is they pulled this they moved the card with one week's notice they fucked over so many fans there are people yeah. who had purchased airfare there are people who because it was like the holidays this was like their family's holiday trip slash gift Going yeah. to the UFC pay per view. Those people were out of money for the hotels. Like theoretically, they could have, I guess, canceled the hotels, but they're people who are out of money. Yeah, but with the weeks, fights, though,
1: just a lot of hotels charge you a fee if you don't if you.
2: They, yeah, yeah, you get a cancellation fee. True. Yeah, so they they were out money, and the only real piece of. The only PR I saw on that, unless they've done something differently after the fact that I wasn't aware of, is that Dana White made some shitty remark where it's like, well, you know, all of us here in the company are losing money moving it. And it's like, shut the fuck up. And, and the- like, you pulled this shit. You're screwing over your fan base, and that's the best excuse you can do? Oh, well, well we're all suffering the pain here. No, you're not. You have Dana White— You individually have at least four hundred million dollars in the bank from the UFC fight. Don't don't act like you losing out a little bit of money compared to like the fan base that you count on screwing them over. Like that's so reprehensible. And
1: and the worst part is on that broadcast, and it's I think it's gone on past that, is they're now trying to guilt Corvier into fighting him again.
2: Oh yeah. And you know what he I honestly hope he tells them to go fuck off like i could see him getting the fight just because it'd be a big payday and daniel cormier is actually a a good human being who wants to provide for his family so i can honestly see he would i could potentially see him taking that fight just to cash out and you know make sure his family's taken care of i hope he doesn't though i hope he's like you know what (sighs) no fuck. i hope he
1: stan hansen's their championship belts and sends them back to them in the mail yeah i want to
2: can i bring up one other point i forgot i just remembered this (laughs) uh in the press right before the event like a day or two before the event they did a a press conference with john jones and dana white and everything and they actually there was a a a young female reporter who got up there and basically asked john jones a question where it's like you know you just tested positive again for steroids like how do you feel how every the entire event having to be moved to la Basically for you, which honestly is an exceptionally fair question, given who he is and the shit that they pulled. And his response was to be like to mock her and then demand that her microphone be cut off, which the UFC did.
1: Didn't they? So didn't they have to also he, in the past he, cancel an event for John Jones because of John Jones?
2: I think they did, but I forget. Uh, well, I mean, it's that would have been like a couple a couple years back. Yeah, because uh, of course you know he failed another steroid test so he was off i don't know i'm sorry to get all worked up but
1: no it,
2: oh no
0: it's i, I cannot, completely understand and i think you've articulated uh, the frustration and anger that goes with this very very well
2: because you know what i i can't stand john jones and it really makes me dislike the ufc um but if it was just them i would be like whatever it's their company they can, Throw away all their credibility if they want to, but yeah. when they screwed over the other fighters and the fans, yeah. like they did all for John Jones but, of all people, right. like to me that was beyond the pale. That's like you. That's something that in my, that's a black mark that if I was a fan, I would not forget no. that.
0: And it it the thing that I, and, and I know you brought it up earlier, but it it grinds my teeth so much that to make that change and to have people that you have contracted to work for you have to slit their own throat financially to come to work anybody else any other entity would be up a creek for that and i don't i don't know if they're going to pursue any kind of action on it but i really hope they do because this is like garbage treatment of employees on a grand scale yeah that that that's a thing like for me, it's I'm more frustrated about what's happening with the other. What like how many people were on that card?
1: Probably like twenty how many or fighters. 30.
0: Twenty. Yeah. So ninety five percent of the people on that card got screwed because of one guy.
1: Yeah, but think if you're just some like poor fucking the prelims making like twelve twelve like twelve hundred twelve hundred like you know. And you lose, and you only get twelve hundred dollars. Then you know the state comes and
0: takes their like twelve percent or more. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my point is is to do that to the other people on the card. I, Ironically, I think the next time a show comes around, there might be a good old fashioned MMA beatdown
2: on John Jones in the locker room. They, uh, yeah, I, I, this is where I wish it would be like. 1970s, 1980s uh, wrestling, where it's like we'll just take care of this in the locker room. Don't worry. Yeah.
1: But yeah, I think I think this was a fitting end to 2018 for the sport of MMA because 2018 is the year where MMA became boxing. Because we didn't talk about it on the yeah. show, but we it's also also happened this year that a commission actually licensed Chuck Liddell to fight when he clearly had no business like ever trying to fight a human being again
0: yeah i, I like chuck <laughs> but his, his time was done it, it should have
2: yeah so well that and that's something that you could arguably again lay at the feet of ufc and dana white because dana white at one point promised chuck liddell a lifetime position with the ufc and then of course ufc got sold and dana white's like i throws his hands up i think oh uh, i don't know
1: i think um there's a lot that goes into that um that was the ownership i think dana's hands were tied but at the same time like it's also not dana white's fault that all that money they were providing chuck went up his nose Mm -hmm. and it should also be stated that they also gave forrest griffith that same um that same kind of deal but forrest griffith's like i want to work for my money and forrest griffith still has a job because he was earning his keep
0: Yeah, it, well, yeah. There's no question about that. Yeah, just yeah. So that's well, that's the state of right now. <laughs> there's a lot of really frustrating stuff and a lot of really hopeful stuff going on. So, um, guys, we've covered a lot of ground tonight. Um, I want to say thank you all for listening to us. Um, I know I made the joke earlier about the dozens listening around the world, but we're we're thrilled that you listen to us and um, we'd love to hear from you Uh, hit us up on social media or however but we're we're just glad you listen thank you all for joining us i'm shad with uh, matt and brad we've been in three quarters you're in the fourth we'll see you next time